Thank you for that song. Stand with me this morning as we pray. God, we thank you for the word of God, which is quick and it is powerful and it will find a place we trust this morning in everyone's life. We want food to eat this morning. We want to understand more of what your word is saying to us. And so we know, Lord, that there is much that you want to show us today. Amen. You may be seated. Much of our Christian experience has to do with getting the attention of God. You look back over your Christian life, maybe five, ten years, and you begin to reflect. You'd have to agree with me that many, many times you find yourself saying, God, notice me. God, see me. God, reach out and help me in my need. We spend a lot of time in our Christian experience trying to get the attention of Almighty God. I preached a sermon many years ago entitled, How to Get the Attention of God. And I shared many principles of how, what we can do and how we should be living in order for God to see us and see our need and identify us and speak into our lives. I think of short Zacchaeus. He, he wanted to make sure as Jesus was passing by that he never got missed. And so he climbed a tree because he was short. And he said, I want Jesus not to pass me by but I want Jesus to see me. And of course, Jesus saw him. Throughout the New Testament, people are always running to Jesus. Read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's always somebody trying to get the attention of Jesus. I think of the, the lame man that wanted to get the attention of Jesus. And Jesus is in a house and he's preaching. It's full of people. And this man said, I want to get a, an audience with Jesus. So his four friends took him up to the top of the roof and they cut a hole in this man's house. I think it was Peter's. And they dropped this lame man down right in front of Jesus. He just wanted Jesus to notice him. The disciples argued who will be the greatest. They want they wanted Jesus to notice them and their credentials and their characteristics and their qualities. And they wanted to make sure that Jesus sees them, and they wanted to find themselves in the good seat. I want a good seat next to Jesus in his kingdom. I want the place of honor. Notice me, Jesus. Then there was Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 33, and verse 18. We read that Moses stuck his head up and he cried out to God for him to show him his glory. So he was saying, notice my face, God. Notice my name. Notice my voice. Notice my cry and my hunger and my yearning and my appetite. I want your glory to fall upon me. There's no one here this morning that does not have a desire to be noticed and singled out by God. Remember when Jesus spoke the name Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. And we love it when when when. When Jesus speaks into our lives and speaks to us, come forth out of your graveyard. Come forth out of your nightmare. Come forth out of your valley. We love it. It calls us by name to get out of the grave we're in. And I could go on to speak a message on that, and, and I probably partly I did. But the most of my message this morning is completely opposite to trying to get the attention of God. And my message this morning is about a time in this wonderful and adventurous spiritual journey when we're just as happy if the Lord misses us completely. Where we're not trying to get his attention, that we're happy if he just walks on by. 
Bible says in Exodus chapter 11, my text this morning, verse 12, God speaks these words on the same night. I will pass through Egypt and I'll strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. And he says, I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are in. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. It's to be a lasting ordinance, a lasting ordinance. First John chapter one and verse seven says the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ purifies or cleanses us from all sin, not some sin, partial sin, but Every sin there is, nothing is too great for Jesus Christ to forgive. I mentioned to you a while ago that, that, that the recent general conference that took place in Ottawa, since I was three-quarters the way home, I decided that I would take a week's vacation and travel the rest of the way and go to Nova Scotia, visit my family for a week. And so I did that, and every time I go home, I find myself driving by special places that hold special memories. I do it all the time. In fact, probably every day I went out for a drive. I said, Mom, I just got to go for a drive. And I'm going for a drive because I want to reflect upon those special places that hold special memories in my mind. And then I go back in my mind and think about what happened there that was so special. One morning as I took a drive, I drove by Walker Street in Truro, Nova Scotia. And I gazed upon a vacant parking lot that once was Calvary Pentecostal Church. And I looked at that vacant lot. I remembered the church that was there. And as I reflected upon the church and the meetings we had as a child, I began to think about the hymns we used to sing. As a little boy, I remember those powerful, powerful hymns that we sing. Hymns like this, I see a crimson stream. And then there's a fountain filled with blood. The other hymn that we often sing was, Are you washed? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? We sang that one over and over and over again. I remembered that as a child. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. And we'd sing that one and sing it and sing it and sing it. Oh, precious is the flow that washes us as white as snow. And then we break into a chorus like, oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus. Now, this is not only before video projector that you see behind me, not only before slide projector, this was even before overhead projector. This was when we would hold chorus books. The first time I ever seen an overhead projector was in 1978. And I went to Peterborough, Ontario for Bible college. And one Sunday, I went to church and I saw an overhead projector. And I phoned my mom and dad and I said, listen, they've got overhead projector here. What's the world coming to? What's the world coming to? Overhead projector in the church? Only songs sung from the chorus book are really anointed by God. So since that is the fact, take your hymn books this morning. Page 200. 
and 11. And I just want you to look at the words. We're not going to sing it. We're going to sing it later on, but not right now. But I want you to notice the words on page 211. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, I just want to quote to you some of the first four verses. Christ, our Redeemer, died on the cross. Died for the sinner. Died for us. Verse 2, chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save. And you might be here this morning and you may feel like I'm the chiefest of sinners. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. The Bible says he cleanses us from all sin. And sometimes we think we're too deep. We're too far gone. Jesus doesn't want us. Nobody wants. Jesus loves you. Jesus will save you. Jesus will purify. Jesus will set you completely free. The chiefest of sinners. And somehow the, this writer, John G. Foote, he, he began to capture something very, very powerful here. One of the most powerful truths there is. The eternal life and the eternal death truth. Look at verse 3. Judgment is coming. All will be there. Each one receiving. We know that judgment day is coming. When we speak about the love of Jesus Christ and love of God, we've also got to talk about the judgment day. And he brings that in here too. Judgment's coming. Every one of us will be there. Verse 4. Oh, great compassion. Oh, boundless love. Oh, loving kindness. Faithful and true. Find peace and shelter under the blood. He captured the whole gospel story in this hymn. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass, I will pass over you. Now I can think of many times when I was glad to be passed over. When I was in grade school, when I was in the younger years, I remember my teacher, oftentimes she'd pick out a volunteer and she'd say, I want you to come up in front of the class. I want you to share your report with all of us. Now remember, as she would get to that point and say that, my heart would start to race. I don't want to get up there in front of people. I'm afraid of the crowds. I don't want to get up there. Please pass me by. Pass me by. You know what that's like. You just want to blend into the scene. You want to blend into the audience. You don't want to be called out. I was glad when she just zoomed right over my head. Pick somebody else. When I was home, Mom and I were talking many times on the doorstep. We talked about bygone days and talked about when I was young. Talked about the discipline times. And I remember, I said to mom, I remember when we'd be driving somewhere in the car. Maybe we're in Halifax shopping or somewhere. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd mess up and I'd be bad. I know it's hard for you to believe, but I'd be bad. Mom would say, you wait till I get you home. You wait. When I get you home, you're going to get it. And I remember talking to mom about that. Remember mom used to say that? Yeah, I remember. And I said, you know, whenever we got home, you always forgot. Whenever you went home, I never got it. And I always thought in my mind that they forgot all about the fact that they wanted to discipline me. And my mother said this to me a few weeks ago. She said, we never forgot. We just never had the heart to discipline our sweet, lovable little boy. And here I thought they forgot all the time. You see, there are certain times when we desperately need God to pass right over us. Certain times when we need God to walk past us. Certain times when we need God to miss us in a crowd and not really notice us. I'm speaking about when God is passing through in judgment. When God is passing out 
the wages of sin, and the Bible says they will be paid to people. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. He said the wages have got to be paid. There are certain times when we, God, we like him to pass us by when he's passing out the penalty for rebellion and refusing to accept Christ's love. When God is passing out death sentences, when God is passing out eternal separation from God, we want to pray, God, please pass me by, pass over me, don't notice me. Yes, God is love. But man has got to know that a holy God also has holy demands. Man has got to know that a righteous God has righteous demands. And we've got to know that hearing the word of God demands a response. Whenever we read God's word, there is a response that we must make. And I'm convinced that no man is ever the same. Once you read the Bible and read its pages, it does something. You've got to accept or you've got to reject. We must respond to his demands. When the Holy Spirit begins to blow in conviction, and I know the conviction, the sense of God's Holy Spirit blowing in my life, I know what it demands from me. And it wasn't just a one-time event in 1974 when the Spirit of God began to blow in conviction. It still happens today, and I need to respond to it. The Bible says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And when the Holy Spirit begins to convict and move in your life, we've got to make a decision to act upon it. God is love, but he has many demands. Luke 12 and 48 says, to whom much is given, much will be required. The whole of the world's been given Jesus Christ. He came and dwelt among us. What are we doing with Jesus? What will we do with Jesus Christ? John chapter 1 and verse 12 says he came to his own at that time. And they did not receive him. They rejected him. But to those that did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God. We had adoption privileges. Now, let's get back to my text. Freedom from Egyptian bondage is still looking pretty bleak for the Israelites. Pharaoh's like a stubborn old mule. He will not let them go. And so God says the worst plague of all is now about to come upon Egypt. It's called the death plague. Every firstborn will be struck down. Both people and animals, all are going to be affected. Judgment was coming upon Egypt for rebellion. But even though that was coming, God says this to his chosen generation, to those that he said, I'm going to set free. They're eventually going to get out of this bondage that they're in. He said, each family is to kill a lamb. Take a lamb, kill it. They're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames and their homes and And God said, when I see that blood, when I see it on the door frames, when I see it on the top, when I see that blood and when I'm striking down the firstborn, I will pass right over your home when I see the blood. I'll miss you completely. Oh, we read that and yes, we sing even about the blood of Jesus and sing about the blood in the church. Sometimes it may even sound gory. Mainly because of what the world and Hollywood has associated with blood, horror films and Dracula and vampires. But 
This is not gory. As we understand the pages of Scripture and understand what the Bible says about the blood, this is our salvation. We need to get this significance of it today. To be under the blood is to be safe. You know what it's like when you're playing a baseball game? You do your hardest to get around first, second, third. Safe home. Ah, I made it home. To be under the blood of Jesus is to be safe. It's to be secure. It's to be protected. It's to to have a hopeful future. It's to have a spiritual and physical covering from the judgment of God. And the Lord said in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, this is a day that you're to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. In other words, don't ever forget. Don't ever forget what I did for my people back in the land of Egypt. Don't ever forget the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And they did remember it. It became a yearly Jewish festival celebration which lasted about seven days. And it was during one of those yearly Passovers that Jesus had his last supper with his disciples and Matthew and Mark and Luke record this. And Jesus says, now I want you to know something. The Passover in the Old Testament, now I want you to see something. I will now be the lamb. I will give up my body. I will give out my blood. It's going to be for you. It's going to be for your future and your freedom and your forgiveness and your redemption from the past. It's going to be for your shameful acts of disobedience. It's going to be for your rebellious history. Oh, he says, the blood is going to be shed for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter your past. doesn't matter how dirty or disgusting or how deep in the valley you were. My blood will be shed for you. Jesus paid it all. Oh, they'll hang me on a cross. He, he tried to explain it to his disciples over and over again. They're going to hang me on a cross. They're going to drain the blood from my body. They're going to take my breath away. And they're going to lay me in a tomb. And they're going to think it's done. They're going to think it's finished. But as Tony Campolo said, Sunday is come. And resurrection day came. Up from the grave. We celebrate it this year at Easter Sunday. Up from the grave, Jesus Christ arose. John 14, verse 19, Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. Oh, that's hope for the church. A blessing for us to hear this morning. My resurrection, he said, seals your hope for today and promise of eternity with Christ. I love that promise. End of debate. There's many things in the Bible that I do not understand and probably never will understand in totality, but I do understand The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for me. I do understand the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for the entire world. And that is what we need to proclaim from the pulpit and from our lives on a daily basis. Jesus Christ forgives. There is no other way to the Father. But Jesus, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man gets to the Father but through me. And his blood that was shed. Mary Lang, I looked in my... Date book for August, and I've written down August 9 is Mary Lang's 102nd birthday. I often go over to visit with her, and she tells me what she's reading. Her mind is sharp. 
reading lots of books, and so she's reading recently books on heaven. She asked me one time when I was there to visit with her, she said, what did you preach on this Sunday morning? It was a Sunday afternoon. I went to see her. What did you preach on this morning? I thought, I preached on the Holy Spirit. How powerfully it pictures of the Holy Spirit. And then I began to share what I was preaching with her, and I could see her countenance change and just getting shut in with God and God's Spirit and the atmosphere. And so I began to quote scriptures about heaven. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, what thou hast prepared for those. I began to talk about the fact that we're heading to a place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness. And began to quote scriptures on the blood of Jesus. And as I began to quote those scriptures, she began to get shut in, as I said earlier. And she just said, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. I want you to know she knows what it's like to be under the blood of Jesus Christ. And to be able to deliver that promise to her in her 102nd year and say, God has a plan for you. You're under the blood of Jesus. And she said, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Oh, she encouraged me so much. She encouraged me to remind myself that this is not my final home. This is not where it ends. She reminded me to make sure my palms are always open and my eyes are always looking up because someday Jesus is saying, time is up for you. Time is up. Will I be under the blood of Jesus? And my time is up. Will you be under the blood of Jesus when your time is up? Oh, you want to be encouraged, go see Mary Lang in Valley View just down the street. So Jesus said during his last supper, during the Passover celebration, he said, don't ever forget what I'm about to do for you and the whole world. He said, the bread will be a reminder that my body beaten beyond recognition. The juice will be a reminder that my blood was spilt, given out for you. So he said, I want you to get together. I want you to have communion. I want you to celebrate what I've done for you. And so we know as you move into the book of Corinthians that Paul picked up on this. And when he wrote to the Corinthian church, he underlined the importance of keeping the Lord's Supper exactly what it should be. And if you read before and after, you know that he's trying to get some order in the church. There are things happening there that shouldn't be happening. He's, well, he, the blood of Jesus means everything. And here he said there's disunity in the church. How can there be disunity in the church when the blood of Jesus Christ makes us one? It doesn't make any sense. There's something wrong with the picture. If you're arguing, if you're stabbing each other in the back, and you've got no unity, it doesn't make any sense. The blood of Jesus Christ seals you together. And he also talked about the church being out of order. Doesn't make any sense when you gather around the communion table. What you're doing, it's gotta be like Jesus intended it to be, but it's, you're thinking it's a meal. It's not a meal, he said, to fill your body with. If you're hungry, he said, why not eat at home? He said, it's not a 24 ouncer to intoxicate your body with. Oh, he said, that small piece of bread or cracker is to trigger your memory. It's a take you down memory road to remind yourself of what the blood of Jesus Christ has secured for you. And he said that little drink of juice or wine, he says, is to take you again down memory lane to tell you a story. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you. 
That's why we have communion each month. We don't ever want to forget the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. God help us to never be, never become a Christless, crossless, or bloodless church. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Every, every sin. Without the blood, we're doomed to perish. The life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no forgiveness. No forgiveness. None whatsoever. Oh, to be under the blood does not mean to be under religion. To be under the blood does not mean to be under legalism. Talk to a lot of people about church just because of what I do. And they often say that church is so legalistic. I say it's not about a legalistic system. It's about the blood of Jesus Christ that saves and sanctifies and purifies and gets you ready for heaven. Amen. Doesn't mean to be under a church's form. Doesn't mean to be under a church's must-do list. To be under the blood means Passover. To be under the blood means that God is saying, I will pass. I will pass. I will pass over you. So today we want to celebrate communion. I'm going to invite the servers to come at this time. And if you have made taken that step and invited Jesus Christ to become Lord of your life, we invite you to participate with us. If you've never made that decision, you can do so right where you're seated. Jesus, come in. Jesus, take away my sins. Jesus, I want to be under the blood. I want to be under the blood. And as the emblems are passed out in our church, once everyone has one, then we participate together. As they're passed out, I want you to listen to the words of this song that James is going to sing to you when I see the blood, when I see the blood. Christ our Redeemer died on the cross Died for the sinner, paid all his doom Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb And I will pass, will pass over you
church Corinth and these are the words that he says and he says to us as well this morning as we receive the emblems when you hold the cracker and the juice in your hand this is what enables God to pass over you this is forgiveness that he's given to us that's why Paul says, don't ever take it unworthily. Don't ever do without thinking what it means. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Put your name there if you like. Do this in remembrance of me. Do it. Remembrance of me. Let's eat the cracker together. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Now I'd like for us to sing that song, the chorus part of that. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And as we sing it together, I want you to just shut yourself in with the Lord. And let Him touch your heart, touch your mind, touch your spirit as you sing it and reflect upon the goodness of Jesus Christ. When I see the blood When I see the blood When I see the blood I will pass, I will pass over you When I see the blood When 
stand here this morning, we are invited by you to bask in the reality of this this morning. And we bask in that. We enjoy the privileges. We enjoy the benefits. We enjoy the covering that is over us. We enjoy, Lord, the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ has secured our position. Thank you, God, for that. On the one hand, we bask in that. But, Lord, you're also wanting us to look on the other hand. On the other hand, we can't help but bask in the love of Jesus and enjoy the blessings of Jesus Christ without knowing that there's a world and there are many others that have not found the reality of Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins. There are many people that are bound by alcoholism and drugs and other kinds of addictions. Many people that are bound and held in chains of torment. And God, you have given us, Lord, the message to go out and share the good news of the Lord, that you can use us to minister to others. So send us to our missionary field this week to be used by you in a mighty way, Lord, to be used by you to share the good news of Jesus. And that's what we've got to share. But Jesus says, I will pass. I will pass over you. For it's in your name we ask. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to receive ministry this morning, just feel free to come forward. We'd be privileged to pray for you. May the Lord give you a great week.